This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin and and I am joined today by Moera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Moera. Kia ora, Sam. How are you today? Going very well indeed. Thursday long session in the pool this morning. Oh, sounds really exhausting. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, I was sleeping, you were wa- swimming. I'm waiting for bedtime. <laughs> I bet you are. And who are you introducing today? Today I'm introducing um, somebody who um, is amazing for many reasons. Um, Melanie Jans, uh, I've known her for many years, and um, and I currently work with her at East Bay Reap. She's um, in charge of the uh, adult community education program here, um, among other things. And she's also one of our Otago Polytech Distinguished Alumni and is going to be receiving her award in Dunedin next month. Congratulations. Thank you. So how has your bubble life been? Oh, well, kia thing, bubble life. Um, I suppose like many other of our whānau in Aotearoa, time to connect and be close. Um, the challenges that come of moving teenagers out of a bedroom so some of the whānau can move home and have that space and um, those negotiations and trying to keep everybody comfortable. Um, the highlight for myself was my son is in a first year apprenticeship, so there's a lot of unit standards and credits to be achieved. And in our month of lockdown, he completed 300 learner hours and completed his whole year of theory in that month. So that was a great achievement in our space. Is that because he had somebody looking over his shoulder? Yeah, and totally that a mother that was able to unpack the language of those education unit standards and restack them in a language that was of his culture and of his context and that when he's kicking his feet after 10 minutes, mum, I need to go. I say, well, go kick a ball, go get a feed, come back and we'll do some more. So that nudging with love over that month, Sam. Yeah. Indeed. So were you working from home during lockdown? Um, yes, um, I did work from home over that time. I had seven um, tutors that do adult literacy throughout the Eastern Basin, and so I was busy coordinating them and, you know, discovering the Zoom world, the digital learning, um, the challenges that come from being a tutor within a high intensity, highly emotionally charged time. So our tutors became violence counsellors, food parcel deliverers, relationship counsellors, 
parents working from home, um, great neighbours. So it was a learning in all spaces for all of us. Yeah, so I worked and um, almost felt exhausted trying to balance everything and find a bit of me in that time, to be honest, but a satisfying time. One of the things that we've heard people say is that they weren't just working from home, but that working from home and surviving a pandemic. Um, so we, we, you know, it, it was emergency working from home. It's an interesting twist that you've got there on the, 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 the having your tutors out in the in the community, really, seeing the the the, the challenges that were happening in the community. I and myself even we um because we deliver collaboratively with other iwi partners and community groups, we all have fingers in different hapu and different ano spaces. So those of us that could work in different spaces, like I'm a Murupara girl, so I delivered food parcels and connected people out there with agencies and firewood. And so wherever we all fitted in our worlds, we just pivoted off those relationships. And, um, and it was, um, I think we came out closer and the challenge today is how do we maintain that closeness and not let it slip when we were also being kind at that time, Sam. Yes. It's an interesting thing that it's really highlighted the importance of relationships when the, the thing that we couldn't do is get close to people. It's actually forced us to get close to people. Aye, absolutely. And um, being in a bubble of a small community like Muripara, Muripara became its own bubble almost. And you're on the roof of your house or you're in the garden and someone just out in the street, how are you guys going? And then the rhythms of the same person going to the shop, same time every day, carrying the same bag. And I just saw rhythms of our community that um, reminded me of a long time ago when things were slower, I suppose. There's lots of people have said that there was that moment probably during lockdown four, towards the end of lockdown four, when everyone had gotten over the novelty of it. But they were out there just sort of walking around the streets and appreciating the community and having that moment of, actually, this isn't bad. Mm. This is this is quite nice. But then we all rushed back to being busy again. Why? Are, are yeah. we addicted to addicted to being busy? That's an individual response required there, but I am. I think I'm busy and I think I'm stressed and overworked, but the reality is it's my own planning, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and my own aligning myself with those tasks I procrastinate on. Yeah, so I, I have to accept responsibility when we say we're all too busy, but taking control of what we tag busyness to, I think, yeah. Did you, you, you said we were hoping that we could maintain those relationships mm. and so on as we've, mm. we've, we've come back into uh, being less locked down, but now a bit more locked down. Have they persisted, those relationships? There's a, I think there's a depth to them. You don't have as much time as we did through lockdown, but there's a depth, a deeper connection, like, when I was delivering food parcels around our, our town, people would say, oh, how's your mum? I haven't seen her for 20 years, 30 years. Where's your brother? Or, you know, those those conversations were happening at doorways and front fences. So there is still a connectiveness that wasn't there before. 
But for me, I made my neighbour was putting fruit out the front of her fence and I was delivering it to Fano. So I made her a bread and gave her a jar of honey. And I thought, gee, lockdown's over. I need to make another loaf of bread and give her another jar just because I can. Yeah. So um, I have to be personally responsible and do it and not say I've got too busy. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have the Rolling Stones with Waiting for a Friend. Why this one? Oh, um, I grew up the time of vinyl, you know, back in the 80s. Um, my sister was going out with um, a young fella, 14-year-olds from Kainaroa Forest, and he was into Frampton and the Stones and Marley, and so I was introduced to vinyl, you know, Bob Dylan, and just stuck with me. And if there's one concert I'd go to, it would be the Stones. Yeah, absolutely. Great memories. Let's hope that they get to tour again. <laughs> yeah. They're certainly in the vulnerable age group.
see you were talking about um, getting out and, and doing food deliveries and so on lo- during lockdown. Did you see other sort of community responses, positive community responses going on? Oh, absolutely. You know, not just within our own Murupara community, but my colleagues come from Apotiki, Kawaro, Matata, those places. So everyone was responding in their own way with their own relationships. But, you know, my challenge in that space, Sam, was that lack of collaboration. I just saw almost so much help out there. And if you had internet or you knew that there was a truckload of meetups, the shops, you got access. But if you weren't in that loop, so um, really lots of growing and learning. Like when I delivered 20 food parcels, I realised I still had all the eggs in the back of my truck and I hadn't dropped them off. So the learning was I needed to go around and drop these eggs off. But I actually saw, really got clear in my mind who actually really needed the food. So I actually only took the eggs to or doubled the load to certain Fano where I knew actually there was eight or two families in that one small space. So, yeah, um, I just felt there a lot more organised, you know, conversations before delivery. And I thought if we go to another lockdown, there's a real... Op- and there's never been time for debrief. Mm. I No one's called that space to say, hey, let's really look at how we we provided in that space and I'd love to be part of an honest, robust conversation around, hey, um, what could we do differently? What did we get? What could we do better? Yeah. So what could Just we do better? Talk, share, um, be authentic in our transactions, um, get to, instead of perhaps this family needs food, um, it's, do they or do they need someone just to go to the shops for them because they don't want to get out of the house? You know, um, do they need food because they've got, they're alone? Um, there was all kinds of questions I had and I saw lots of omatua on the list and I thought, well, they've got heaps of family looking after them. Just because they're omatua, do they need to be on a food parcel list? You know, what is the support they really need? Who was asking those questions? Yeah. Challenging questions in some spaces, Sam. Mm. When we went back up to level two, did the system start to kick back in? Did people, have, have you noticed people going more than two, you know, taking themselves into a more of a secure place, or is it sort of trying to cling on to one? How are people responding that you've noticed? In level two, um, this is something we learned through lockdown was respecting the space that people are in. Like some of my tutors were totally confident, happy to be um, delivering parcels. No one in their whānau was compromised immuno-wise, so they were more confident we worked with people who had family who or themselves had conditions. So instead of me being, look, you all need to be doing this, he's, it was really hearing each of my Judith story, look after yourself first, your family first, before we try and keep learning happening. So um, I just think um, it was just everyone reacted differently and it was remembering, even though we don't know why, just respect that it's their space. Yeah. Have you always been involved in education? 
Um, no, I left school in Murupara. You were supposed to go to the big smoke of Rotoru and get a job. And I moved to town at 16 and by the and worked for Inland Revenue for three years. And then uh, the forestry called and I went back and was logging for many years of my life. So I'm a forestry, one of the first women in the forest logging. Yeah. So no, and I just um, went to the gold mines for a few years in Australia and got called home and my partner lost his legs in a logging truck accident and looked after him for a while and then I realised I need to upskill. So I went back to college and did um, information technology, which was computing when I was in my 30s, really. And that was my introduction. The community education job was going at Rangatahi College and they shoulder tapped me and said, we organise learning for our town. And so now I'm probably 19 years in the sector. Yeah. And it's a which is yeah. You're describing it as very much as a mix of education and community development. Yeah, it's, it's a, everything is a community development approach. So ten years ago, there was probably about twenty-two million dollars in the sector, and that was all the night class pottery, carpentry. You could go and do UE. You could do all those things, you know. And um, ten years ago, government took. 80% of the funds away and said, now you have to deliver literacy, numeracy. But we see that as the definition is what makes me functional in my life. My literacy, so if you live down the coast, can you fish? Can you read the tides? Um, can you tie a fishing knot? Those are local literacies. You know, if we run a bike repair course, it's not a, it's a literacy for the world of those that don't have cars and they their, their transport is a cycle or bicycle. So those are real functional literacies. So we don't have a brochure as a REIT provider. We meet our whanau, our hapu, our community and say, what are the needs in your world and how can we work alongside you to make it happen? Local flavour, local context. Yeah. So do we, um, need, a, do we need a literacy in surviving a pandemic? Do we need a what? A literacy in surviving a pandemic. Literacy in surviving a pandemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we need to learn from we it, don't we? What was that? We need to, to learn from what we've done. Absolutely. I agree. Chance to grow. Totally a chance to grow. And it's for those of us that want to seize it and grab it and um, move with it. I can't share what I did in lockdown because I was just so, because um, I was in lockdown, I was so part of the community and moving, so I got a lot done and um, had a different experience to a lot of other people. Yeah. So let's hope we don't have another pandemic, but what do you think we can learn about how to make stronger communities for the next challenge that we face? Oh, I just I think relationships are currency, Sam. I think it's coming together and that whole simple SWOT analysis of, of our own community. You know, what how do we design good community design? What are our strengths? You know, our, our social audit. What are our strengths? What are our assets? What do we have already that we can build on and attach to and um, meet the need of and hear the need of? who we need to, of everybody. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
Kia ora koutou, nā mahi arahanui, kia koutou kotaha I hope you're all having a wonderful day. Beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that whatever is happening around you, wherever you are, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very fulfilling, very sustaining, illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, the triumph of nature's art perfect unique and here is better so i've had a very interesting day and i'm very excited to talk to you all about it i'm still in recovery mode after my mystery fever studied in public hospital adventure and despite being in recovery mode i had a wonderful meeting today about doing amazing tv show all about beautiful Aote Stunning and all the amazing people who live here and of course not just human people but all of those dearly beloved people from the more than human world and of course I would be the one presenting and sharing my love for these people so it would be very very exciting and throughout this meeting of course I was feeling various levels of engagement and varying levels of feeling quite unwell and quite exhausted but of course I really wanted to be there at the meeting and was very excited about all the opportunities there but I had to acknowledge later in the day that I was still quite unwell and had to go back to the doctor and have more tests and things like that so I think my big learning from today that I wanted to share with you all is that it's really important to give yourself the time that you need to rest if you can and to let people know of course what's happening for you and to ask for the support that you need and accept support when it's offered to you and when it's given to you and this is something that you know I'm finding interesting to negotiate because I'm used to having lots of energy and being able to do lots of things and I'm now having to ask for support and accept support when it's given to me and of course I'm very very grateful for all the support But as we all know, when we are used to experiencing things in one way and our perception of ourselves and our sense of identity may well be enmeshed with a certain way of being, making shifts in order to accommodate a new way of being can be somewhat discombobulating. But of course we know that we are so much more than our energy levels, we are so much more than our state of physical health we are so much more than our role in the community we are so much more than what we can achieve in a day we are so much more than whether we are working whether we're able to work or whether we're needing time to rest and recover and we know that like all life we move through cycles of different levels of energy and action and times of rest and transformation and renewal regrowth and all these sorts of things so of course I'm very grateful to be part of those cycles and I'm very grateful to see those cycles reflected around me in the beauty of spring blossoming and flowering at this time of year and I'm also very grateful for all this great deluge of rain that we've been having which of course has felt quite overwhelming for us indoors but for all of the life outdoors all the plant life has just been wonderful and 
we have created a roofed courtyard for Hey Hey HQ so the beautiful hens are still able to frolic about quite comfortably which is really important and I have been able to have my wonderful dream team education staff support me while I'm having this time to rest and recuperate so I really hope for you that whatever adjustments you're having to make in your own life that you're being kind to yourself and you're allowing yourself to ask for support and accept the support that is being offered to you and I look forward to talking to you more tomorrow thanks so much Kakiti. Uh, one thing I learned from the pandemic and just a thought of a card all Sam is food parcels um, need recipes with the food that's in them and packets of seeds. It's just a little note. I noted no food parcels had seeds in. It's funny you should say that because when we went to level two this time here, Jack and I, because it's coming up to that time where we would start germinating seeds anyway, we went off to Bunnings to get seeds. Not a packet of seeds could be found unless you wanted to eat kale. And uh, who wants to eat kale? <laughs> so it was, it, was, it is maybe bacon, kale and bacon. Um, but so it was, yeah, trying to get... Um, Trying to get seeds was really difficult. Yeah. So it almost needs to be relationships with people who keep those heritage stores. Oh, or just know how to save seeds. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about sustainability and I think, you know, what is true sustainability? We've had this mad rush of requests for gardening workshops and but they're within a context of sustainability, you know, and I say that to people who request them, you know, they want them in communities or spaces where I said act locally, think globally. You know, the, the garden at the back door where you walk out and there's some silver beet growing in a banana box. And it's kai that your whānau will eat, not foreign kai. You know, let's have a discussion around who are we trying to feed, what do they eat, and, you know, what, what best suits that family, yeah. Do you see everything as an opportunity for learning? It's, that sounds like it's a not just learning but community development if you put if you you sound like you're someone that sees that with that dual lens all the time i i think that's been said to me before sam and i am opportunist my children are 18 and 9 and they drive with a mother who sees something on the side of the road and i slam on the brakes and treasure treasure what is it and they hide behind the seat you know there's the opportunity in everything and at any moment, if we can collaborate, have community conversations, shared for cuddle, shared thoughts around things, work together, I'm in that space. Yeah, strength-based, looking at that skills. Everyone who walks through the door, every learner comes, and I have that strengths conversation, skills conversation. Fire, I'm just a cleaner. What do I put on my CV? I said, well, do you have keys? Do you unlock an alarm? Do you get yourself to work? And extracting those skills that people don't recognise in themselves that's my space yeah and, and I transfer that to other areas of the world I suppose yeah and and working in a, because you're working in both the education which is necessarily you know talking one-on-one -on -one with individuals but that's mm. scaling that up through the community so you're you're kind of working mm -hmm. education at the whole community level as well Absolutely. And, and it, I sound foreign in meetings and because that's my go-to straight away. Well, who's already paying in that space? 
who should be at the table as part of this conversation? Who do we need to bring along beside us? Um, here's what I think. <laughs> and it's sort of, and, and it's a, it's, it is a struggle to work alongside business or people and community groups who don't have a strategy or a vision or understand what education looks like in an everyday context where let's just bring in a course provider and make that happen. Let's just get a builder in and fix these. Well, how can we train locals to do it? How do we, who's got skills locally that could share those? How do we support that person or organisation to do that? And it's quite foreign. I, I forget because it's just my second language, but, yeah, it's not always the way it is. What's the importance of being able to, to having that vision, but also having the ability to have the vision? perhaps the imagination to be able to do that? The importance of it, the importance is that then you know where you're heading. You know, um, it's, it's, I had this conversation this morning, there's a young portrait or a young girl who comes in and she keeps getting jobs and lose, and she doesn't get the job, she passes but fails the drug test. And um, she, she comes from a family where that's the culture, Weed is smoked, no judgment. I can But I've said to her, darling, you, you keep going for these jobs and getting them, but you fail because you test positive. You need to make choices. Work, work in a world where you're not going to get tested or give it up and go down the path you want. If you don't have a goal and a strategy, you're not going to get there. You're just sending the mixed messages to the universe, and that's what you're getting back. And, and no one, she said, no one had said that to her. And I said that to her mother. I saw your girl and I said this to her. And she said, well, she needs to hear that. But, it's, you know, just some clear direction sometimes. If you do this, this is the what happens. But if we don't get out of our small communities and experience the world a little bit, we can't go home and share the growth. Do you think there's, there's something missing in people's experiences or in their education that that, that ability to, to have that sort of vision is missing? Do we, need a, uh, do we need a vision literacy? A vision literacy? No, I think we just need um, to instill, you know, those when we develop critical thinking skills and thinking about our learning pathways, it's thinking about why do I want to do, what is, what is my dreaming, what is my dream board, what is my pathway plan that I can park somewhere and it can change tomorrow because of any reason it's there. Just knowing that I'm allowed to do that and it's allowed to change and there's no failure, it's called life. Yeah, And so many people um, don't come with possibilities of what is possible you know, what, can I really have that, um, you know, comments of, I never, like, voting, we're in the voting space right now and we've got some young rangatahi really proactive in that space, you know, drop, drop in, um, stop, drop in and roll, you know, and they didn't realise they were so interested in politics and, um, and have a voice and have influence. And until we give some of that, but not only do we need those skills, it's also recognising being able to recognise in our bana or our friends and community that others can have those skills and that's their strength and here's my bit I can bring. You know, no, 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 old idea, you know, with your basket and my basket, my knowledge, your knowledge, all will be well. 
So sometimes just recognizing I have a little bit to offer, but they have something else. And it's basic, but those positive messages sort of aren't out there in a lot of the worlds I walk in. I like what you're saying about uncertainty. It's called life. Maybe we need to scale that up because there's an awful lot of people who what they're really struggling with over this pandemic is that the the certainty has gone. And so the people are insisting mm. on, can you be absolutely sure that it's we're going to go from level two next Sunday? Mm. No. Yeah. Anyone with a, a, any dose of science would know that that's just a ludicrous thing to say because they're going to base that decision on what the numbers looked like before and we don't know how it's going right. to respond. So that that so somehow that's another literacy that we need is that how do we deal with uncertainty? Uh, yeah, and, and once again, you know, we choose our own experience at any time and every moment I have the power to choose whether I want to laugh at this or be insulted by this, you know, and when we learn that, um, practice it enough and practice that you'll survive anything, whether you turn left or right, you're still going to get there, but you might get there differently. And I think those leaps of faith and taking those little steps and testing it out, and I've learned some great stuff off some, some great people who've given me sharings, and just testing that, having that faith, if you want to call it faith or just trusting or just just feel the fear and do it anyway, all those cliches from all the books, you know, but I say give it a go and you're alive, you know. One of the things that the government has done is tried to stick as much as possible to a positive message. Mm. The, the be kind message rather oh. than, a, you know, it, we've all got to, to do this because otherwise we're all going to die. Is that something which is that that sounds like it's a that's a, an approach that you use that lines up with your opportunity and everything is, is seeing the positive? Thing. Yeah, and, and even if you look at the ETA road signs at the moment, it's not buckle up or be cooled. It's care for your friend or they're positive messages. And it's it's a development and our, our Jacinda's very good at it, at um, not being swayed with the gossip or having a narky comment. And, and I'm seeing how she operates with the use of language and she comes across as very sincere to me in that space. Yeah. But it's a different, I suppose I see it because that's the language I use, so I see it around me, yeah. And, you know, my kids come to me, my teenager, Mum, I want this. Great, you can do it. How are you going to get it? What are you going to do to get there? And never say, how are you going to afford that? You can't have that. We don't do that. It's great, you can have it. But how? what are you going to do to get there? So they pull that on me too. <laughs> So of all the changes we've seen over the last few months, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? What's important? Um, people. I think what will stick is that people are important. Yeah. So much doesn't matter to a lot of people now. And, 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 and that's influenced on who wants to keep learning. Um, is learning a priority right now when survival is to some people, health is? Yeah. What is real for us in our world? Does the interest rate matter to me? I'm not sure. You know? Yeah. 
<laughs> we were talking before about sustainability. What do you think we can learn from how this has played out, how we've responded for the the the, the large scale questions of climate change or social justice? I what can we learn? Oh, you know that that global consciousness. You know we have the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, the United Nations seventeen goals. You know, and if New Zealanders knew about people from Aotearoa looked at them, we are so well off in that space with equality, um, infrastructure, good education opportunities, um, gender equality. We can pick so many of those boxes at a, at a top level, deep down individuals. No one is more important than the other because it depends on your world and where you sit. But when it comes to sustainability, you know, food security, as soon as we make someone else responsible, our water or our food supply, we've got our rhythms wrong in my world. And um, when we talk about sustainability, we don't have to be self-sufficient. We live in a community, a bioregion. So-and-so down the road's got the goats. I'll focus on the kumara growing, you know, and let's shift. You know, I'm quite, I have my own community like that. I know who the woodworker is. I know who the welder is. I know where I can get my phone carved. I know where I can, I'll bake the bread or I'll supply the seeds. You know, so in my world, that sustainability in the model at this time, you know? Yeah. Let's take George Michael with one more try. <laughs>
so melanie i have some questions to end the show with mm-hmm. what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years My son getting through an apprenticeship theory <laughs> because he's not um, highly qualified. He, he he's a contradiction because he's young, Maori, full of energy, hasn't got his level twos, all those things. But he's a muru para boy, rural boy, but proves you can do it. You know, my biggest achievement will be, you know, just the health and happiness. And the joys of when I walk up the street or I go into an organisation and someone I've worked with or our LEAP has worked with has a job, fire, thanks for helping me with my CV. Thanks for this because I've got a job. And um, and then their whānau come back to REAP because they've had a great experience. And that ripple effect through our communities, it feeds me and that's my highlight, I suppose. I don't have a single, yeah... Everything, everything just is. I'm not into that negative, positive, this is, yeah. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're Uh, on our team. What is your superpower? Oh, I've been asked this question. My superpower is, it's going to do with food, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> um, I my superpower. I think um Aroha love. Does she get a good costume? Is <laughs> <laughs> it flattering? <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, zero. Just who just being, just living. Speaking the truth. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> I listened to this this morning in my morning meditation. <laughs> God. What motivates me? Um, passion for people. Um, green grass, the wind. Yeah. I'm doing up a 70s caravan. That motivates me, Sam. It would do. 50 this year. Oh, no. That's right. When we're in the 70s, we're 50. Damn it. (laughs) And everything, I've done this whole caravan up with everything virtually from the dump shop, from the recycle shop. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? The challenge is um, I I don't know. I haven't, can't see a challenge. What opportunity are you looking forward um, to? Um, I'm looking forward to a new project. Um, a new project, which I don't know what that is. Opportunity. Um. I can't even answer that. Is every day of your life is a new challenge? Yeah, every day is. Um, I work with community, so every day is different. So I want to. I know what I want to do, Sam. I've always said to my CEO, 
Come let me know when it's time for me to go. I don't want to be stale in the community education sector. I don't want to be sitting and operating in a space where I have no passion or um, I'm not relevant. So I want to be passionate and fresh in my space and um, have been able to have positive input in there. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Not for me to give advice. No. It's oh, warn me about this question. <laughs> advice. I just say, just I truly believe. Remember that you're in control at every moment. Every moment you have the choice of which what you choose to experience. Truly. Thank you very much for that. Mawira. Um, I I would just say that if you live in any sort of rural community um, and you've got a REAP in your community because they're all over Aotearoa um, and you have the opportunity to be a volunteer, they're always looking for people to help with things from driver licence to uh, literacy, numeracy, all sorts of incredible community things. Um, and uh, adult community education. So I encourage uh, anybody listening who has an interest in in, uh, adding something to that community that there's always an opportunity there for them. Thank you very much for joining me. You're most welcome.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. Running behind us is the Blue Oyster Cult Don't Fear the Reaper. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Moira Karatai and Mel Jans in Fokatani. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.